right. Well, uh, thank you, Jonathan, for the opportunity to come and speak and share uh, what the Lord was ministering to me. Um, pull on them if you need to. Just about relationships and relationships with God. Yeah. And um, you know, our relationship with God is interesting. A lot of times we we go and we look at it. And we we talk about you need to have your quiet time. You need to spend time in the Word. You need to pray. You need to do all these things, but we don't get into what it actually looks like. You know, we, we need to go and, and take our relationship with God to another level. We need to go and, and really develop this personal relationship with God. You know, if, if I went and I, I were to say, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm friends with Jonathan. We have a, a good relationship, but all I do is I talk at Jonathan for 10 minutes and, and read some of his texts, and that's about it. That's all the interaction we have. What kind of a relationship do we really have going on? And, and too often, that's one of the things that we've allowed into our relationships with God. So in, in the few minutes we have, I just want to take a look uh, at a few things here. And um, the first thing we want to do is we want to take a look at Adam's relationship with God in the Bible. And, you know, why Adam? We, we look at this and we read through the story in the book of Genesis, and we don't see a whole lot of information on Adam's relationship with God. There's not a whole lot there before the fall. We see that God created Adam. And he gave Adam authority over the earth. Adam went and Adam named all the beings on the earth. He named all the animals. You know, he named the dogs, dogs, and cats, cats. And it'd be kind of funny if he rearranged it, but it, it doesn't work that way. He knew what he was doing because he was created to do just that. And so we've got Adam and Eve here in the garden, and we don't even know how long they were in the garden. We don't know how long their relationship with God was there in the garden. But what we do know is that we have spirit beings walking and talking with each other. You see, when God said in Genesis 1:27, let us make man in our image and in our likeness, he wasn't saying, let me just make something that looks like me. He's saying, let me make another being that's the same kind of being that I am. Let me make another spirit being that I can talk to, that I can fellowship with, that I can have relationship with. And, and I think it's so interesting that we actually don't see so much of Adam's relationship before the fall because this was his personal relationship with God. If we were to see more of what was going on with his relationship with God, that would almost be there for us to compare it to. And that comparison doesn't work. You see, Taylor has a different relationship with Jonathan than I do. And Justin has a different relationship with Jonathan. And Allie has a different relationship with Jonathan because it's our relationship. It's our own individual personal relationship. And if I tried to make my relationship look like Justin's, it doesn't work. It's too crazy. It's, it's I'm trying to imitate Justin instead of being myself. That's right. So you've got Adam here, and what, what's interesting is you can actually see that Adam didn't even realize he had a body when he was on the earth. You know, how, how do you know that? Well, after he sinned was when he first realized he was naked. Yeah. He didn't even know. So you've got this spirit being who's so in touch with the spirit world that he's got no clue that he's walking around naked everywhere he goes. So what, what does that mean? You know, in our lives, we've got two different places we can focus on. There's two trains, so to speak. And whatever train you throw fuel into is the train that's going to take dominance in your life. You've got the train of the spirit and the train of the flesh. And so you can either go and, and have your everyday life, and you're going and you're living and you're throwing your fuel into the train of the flesh. You know, what's going on at school? What's on TV? 
what, what's happening in the life, what's the, you know, what's the gossip with all these people, what's everybody saying. Or we can go and we can take our time, our energy, our focus, and we can throw that into the train of the Spirit, and we can spend time focusing on that relationship with God, and we can spend quality time with Him, the same kind of being to the same kind of being, a Spirit communicating to a Spirit, and allow God to speak to us, and allow God to teach us and instruct us. And, you know, when, when you go and you, you put your energy into that, you find that life becomes easier. As you spend time with God, you find that not only is it easier for me to live my life, it's easier for me to communicate with God, but all that stuff, all that drama, everything that's going on in the world, it doesn't matter so much. Yeah. You know, if you're focusing on that all the time, that is what consumes your being. It consumes your thoughts, it consumes your mind, and you're so concerned with, well, what did so-and-so have to say about me that you lose track of what God has said about you? And you lose track of what he's saying to you and what he's telling you to do as you go and you live your life. So, you know, we need to go and we need to focus on this. We need to spend time with God. Now, after the fall, this is, this is something that's really interesting. Adam was still so connected to the spirit world because of that time he had spent with God that he heard God walking into the garden. <clears throat> He heard God come and say, Adam, where are you? Now, I don't know about you, but I've had times in my life where I've struggled to hear the voice of God. Uh, I've gone and I've, I've been a born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christian, and I sit there and I go, when is God going to speak to me? When is he going to tell me what I need to do? When is he going to give me guidance and instruction and, and talk to me like he talks to other people? Well, it's a good question. And I think it's interesting when you compare the two. You've got a sinner now who hasn't even, he's not even born again. He doesn't have a relationship with God anymore the same way that we do. And yet he was still so connected to the realm of the spirit that he heard God coming and he heard God speak to him. So I think it's important for us as believers to go and to maintain this connection with the spirit world. We, we need to go and we need to maintain a connection with it because it, it's, it's something that's out there. That it's, it's a real thing. I don't know if you guys have ever been in an environment where you've seen spirits, you've seen stuff happen, you've seen you know, crazy things happen, demon-possessed people, all that. I've seen it. I've been around it. It's true. The spirit world exists. But the thing is, the spirit world is not in the forefront of our thoughts. It's not in the forefront of our minds. And that's because we can't touch it with the five physical senses. You can't see it, you can't smell it, you can't taste it, can't hear it, can't talk about it, or, well, you can talk to it, but. You know, you, you can't touch it with the five physical senses. It's not present around you all the time. So unless you go and you make that effort to be connected with the spirit world and to realize that I'm a spirit and I'm communicating with God who's a spirit, you're not gonna be aware of your connection with the spirit world at all. In fact, if we don't maintain an awareness of the spirit world, it's actually very easy for us to succumb to the world that's around us and for us to, to operate just like an unsaved person. And the only difference between them and us is I'm going to heaven and they might not be. You know, so 
We need to go and we need to maintain an awareness with this spirit world through our daily lives. I want to take a look here at Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 1. And this is in the Message Bible. Uh, so if you've got a uh, phone or an iPad or whatever, you can look that up in the Message if you'd like. Romans 12, 1. Paul's writing here and he says, So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work. You're walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Now, let, let's stop there for a second. That's, that's an interesting thought. He's not saying, go and pray for five hours. He's not saying, go to seven church services a week and spend all day long in church. He's saying, take your everyday life and offer it to me. So you get up and you go and have breakfast and spend time with God at breakfast. Just say, hey, what's going on as you're going to school, as you're going to work, as you're, as you're going about your day? God, is there anything you want to talk to me about? And you can maintain a dialogue with him throughout the day. So let's keep going. Um, place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. So, as we spend time in our daily lives building that relationship up with God, He's going to go and He's going to keep. He, he's going to keep developing us. He's going to help us mature. He's going to help us grow and allow us to hear from Him. And so, the, the next question is really, how do we develop that relationship with God? Well, it's quite simple. It, it's actually the same way you develop a relationship with anybody else. There's there's three ways that you can develop a relationship with a person. There's time, the tangibility of the time spent, and shared experiences. So what does that mean? Well, I'm married. I've been married to Shelby for just over two years now. And one of the things that we have to do as a married couple to stay married is spend time together. We need to spend time together. No matter what it's doing, we need to be together. If we're not together and we're not sharing that relationship with each other, then we don't have a relationship. We're just two people who live together. But what good would it be if during all the time I'm spending with her, I'm on my phone texting other people or just sitting there watching TV, and I've never taken the time to go and ask her, hey, how was your day? What's going on with you? You know, anything new that you've been thinking about? You know, any, you want to do any projects around the house? Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But there's that tangibility of the time, the realness of the time spent. It's not just a superficial, we're sitting next to each other so we're spending time together thing. It's an actual, tangible, real experience of us spending time together. We go and we not only spend time, but we have real, tangible time spent. And then finally, shared experiences. If I don't ever go anywhere or do anything with her, then what does it matter? We can have time and we can have real time spent together, but if we've never gone and had shared experiences, how developed is our relationship? You know, if you don't have a shared experience with God, if you can't go and, and look and say, hey God, you remember six months ago when we were talking about this and, and you, wanted to, you wanted me to go do this and you wanted me to go speak to a person, go share something to a person? That's a shared experience. And I'll give you an example from my own life. One of the things um, Shelby and I have done over the years is we've gone into prisons and we've, we've ministered in prisons and, and reached out to inmates and, and 
you know, we've seen tons of people saved and all sorts of different things like that. And one of the things, um, one of the things that the Lord really started to deal with me about last year was to start putting my faith in action when I go into prison. You know, it wasn't just enough to go and, and pray for them and get them saved, but he wanted to do more in their life. So I said, okay, well, what do you want me to do? And he said, well, you believe that I heal, right? And I said, well, yeah. I, you know, talk about it all the time. Pastors talking about this healing school. I'm excited about this, all this other stuff. And he said, well, why don't you start acting like you believe that I can heal somebody? And I thought for a second, I was like, well, okay then. <laughs> so the next prison I went into, I made it a point Every single inmate I got to speak to and I got to spend time for, I said, hey, is there anything I can pray with you about? You sick. You got anything wrong in your body? And it started off small. There was a few different things here and there. And I tell you, every single time, like that, instantly, people were healed. And I'll tell you this one story. Last year around Christmas time, we went into a prison. And I met with this guy. And he was in, in administrative segregation, if you're not familiar with prison, prison terminology, what that means is he's in 23 hour a day lockdown, whether it's for his own protection or misbehavior or whatever, whatever the case may be. He's in there 23 hours a day in his cell, can't speak to anybody. I mean, he can talk to the guys around him, but he's not allowed out of his little, little tiny four walls except to, to go shower or to go out and have an hour of physical activity a day. That's it. And so I started talking to this guy and I said, hey man, what's going on? You know, what's your name? Where are you from? And he goes, man, I'm from another planet. I look at him and I'm like, are you serious? And Justin was right here next to me this whole time. He can, he can vouch for everything I'm telling him. He looks at me and he goes, he goes, yeah, man, I'm from another planet. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, God, why am I still talking to him? This guy is clearly crazy. He's been locked up for far too long and we need to go talk to somebody that we can get saved. You know, because this guy, I don't know what he's on, but he's not open to anything we're saying. So we keep talking to him and sharing a few different things, and he tells me, you know, man, I'm God. And I look at him and I go, really? And he goes, yeah. And I said, well, okay. Well, I I'm not trying to be rude, but let me ask you this question. If you're God, what are you doing in here? And he goes, man, it's just part of what I got to go through, man. And it's, it's just what I got to do. But if I wanted to, I could stop the world and blow it all up. I'm like, okay whatever. And so we keep talking for a few more minutes and, and we're getting ready to leave. We've still got, you know, a bunch more cells that we got to hit. We try to, we were trying to get to as many different inmates as we could. And so I said, Hey, before we leave, is there anything I can pray with you about? Do you have anything in your body that's hurting? It's not working. Anything like that. And he said, you know, my, my right shoulder, it's, it's hurting. I can't, I can't really lift it up. And I said, all right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to put my hand up on the cell. You put your hand up right against it, and I'm going to pray for you. And when I pray for you, God is going to heal your shoulder instantly. You're not going to feel any more pain. You're not going to have any more issues moving it. None of that. And he, he kind of looked at me funny. But he, he agreed. He put his hand up. And so I prayed for him. And as soon as I prayed for him, I said, start moving your shoulder. How's it feel? And he starts looking for it, and he goes, well, that's weird. And I go, what? You can't find it, can you? And he goes, well, uh, I go, there's no pain left in that shoulder at all, is there? And he goes, well, we'll see when I get out to go play basketball. <laughs> and I go, okay, buddy. I said, well, we gotta go, but I just wanted you to know that God loves you and you can never say that he has never done anything for you in your life. 
And that was it. I gave him a track and we walked off. But you see that, that shared experience with God, God going and directing me to do this. I've had time spent with him. I've had real tangible time spent with him. And now we have shared experiences. I can go back and look and say, when God tells me to go pray for somebody else and lay hands on him, I can look back at when that happened before in prison. I prayed for this person and he was instantly healed. So why would I think God can't do it again? You see, I've got that faith now. I've got confidence in God's ability to do what he's promised me he's going to do. Let's take a look here. Um, John chapter 5, verse 39. We're going to start. We're going to wrap this up here real quick. Uh, John 5, 39. I think this is a fascinating verse of scripture. And uh, we're going to look at it in the Message Bible again. And, and Jesus says some strong things here in, in the Message Bible. He says, you have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you have eternal, you'll find eternal life there. But you miss the forest for the trees. These scriptures are all about me. And here I am standing right before you, and you aren't willing to receive from me the life you say you want. How true is that in our lives today? Jesus is talking to the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and his own disciples, and he's telling them, you know, you guys keep saying that you want eternal life, and you're burying your head in the scriptures and looking through all these, these verses in the Old Testament, and you're saying that you want to find eternal life there through that. But that's not where you find it. You find it through a relationship with me. As you spend time with me, that's where you'll find eternal life. And I think it's interesting, especially, you know, Jonathan does a phenomenal job here on Wednesday nights, and he always brings everything back to the Word, and we come back to the Bible, and we always come back to the Bible. Yet we need to be careful to not exalt the Bible above what it is. And when I say that, I'm not meaning to, to talk bad about the Bible or anything like that. But what I am saying is if you make the Bible your end-all, be-all for Christianity, you've missed the point. If your relationship with God is about how many verses you read in the Bible, how much you can memorize, what you know about what the Bible says, and not actually getting to know the person of Jesus Christ, you've missed the point. You've missed the point of Christianity entirely. And so, you know, we, we, we need to spend this time with God. You know, so I would encourage you to go and, and really take the time to focus, to, to spend real quality time with God. You know, read your Bible, of course. I'm not saying don't do that. Spend time in prayer, but let God talk to you. Let him show you things that you need to do in your life and develop a real relationship with him where you go throughout your day and Jesus is right beside you. He's going there with you to every person you interact with, every situation you come in contact with. You know, sometimes the only Jesus that the world is going to see is the Jesus in you and the Jesus in me. And we can either come into a situation and we can be so focused on our flesh and everything going on in the world around us and you know what's happening at work or, or school or in the family that we miss a chance to go help somebody who's hurting, who's lost, who's broken, who needs Jesus. We miss a chance to go and to, to live out the faith that we claim to have. And so when, when you spend time with God, you know, we've got the, the first 15 comes out every week and you go and you you spend your time reading those scriptures. Don't let it stop there. Don't let it just stop with, I'm going to read my first 15 and I'm going to go and pray for a few minutes and, 
and that's it. Really spend some time having a conversation with God. You talk to him, but let him talk to you. Let him show you things that you need to do. Let him direct you. Let him guide you. Let him lead you. Don't just let the Bible be the end-all, be-all of your relationship with God. Your relationship with God doesn't mean anything unless it's rooted and grounded in nothing less than the person of Jesus Christ.